I was an observer of my own life, but I wasn't present in it. It's episode 94, and today I'm talking with Esther Blum. She has the longest list of credentials that I can't read them all out, but you can learn more about her at her website, estherblum.com. But I'm going to just summarize her as an integrative nutritionist or dietitian. We talk a little bit more about what that exactly is at the beginning of the podcast, so stay tuned. She's the author of four books, Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous, Secrets of Gorgeous, The Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous Project, and Cave Women Don't Give Fat. In this episode, we're talking about how we can live happy yet healthy lives and The part that our nutrition can play in that, she shares some awesome little hacks and things that we can be aware of, but how it's not just as simple as our diets. We're talking how potatoes are fine, yay, how important how we approach eating is, how Esther has actively had to heal her own body over the years. What forgiveness has to do with a happy and healthy body and how shame is not a sustainable model when we're talking about taking care of ourselves. There is tons of goodness in here and I'm really excited to share Esther with you. If you stay tuned, you'll also hear a little bit about my husband, which is pretty entertaining, really. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. Esther, thank you so much for joining me on Here to Thrive today. I'm really looking forward to talking about being our happiest and healthiest selves. Well, thanks for having me, Kate. I'm so excited to be here today. Now, I want to start with the basics. You're an integrative dietitian. What does that mean? An integrative dietitian means that I have a bachelor's and a master's in clinical nutrition and am licensed as a registered dietitian, but I also spent, I would say it was a five-month program training as a functional medicine dietitian. So that means that I work with therapeutic diets and supplements and herbs if necessary, and really take a whole, a 360 degree look at a person, the spiritual, the emotional, the physical, the mental aspect of a person. So you really look at all aspects of a life and you also uncover the root cause of illness. So for example, I have a client who came to me with migraines and she wanted to lose weight And we did some deeper digging, you know, ran a couple of lab tests and realized that she had some chronic viral issues going on. And she went from having three to four migraines a week to having them one to two times a month. 
And this was all in 11 weeks. And she also lost 20 pounds. So if she had just gone the conventional route and stayed on medications and not paid attention to her diet, she would still be suffering and overweight. Is it really the idea of food being medicine? Food is absolutely medicine. And nutrients are medicine. We're often deficient, although food is incredible. Most of our soils are deficient, even organic soils. You know, uh, I'm running labs on people who eat organically, and they're still deficient in magnesium and zinc. They're still deficient in vitamin D. Uh, Wi-Fi depletes vitamin D. And I think stress depletes a lot of nutrients. You look at zinc status, most people have very low zinc and too much sugar and high carbs. That depletes nutrients. And the biggest nutrient of all is our thoughts because you can be, I've seen people follow the perfect diet and take all the perfect vitamins and they're still sick and unhappy because they haven't resolved or forgiven past pain. And until you really address all of those pieces together, it's harder to get the results you can when you just breathe and forgive and release what's no longer serving you. Oh my gosh, so fascinated by all of this. I really love the the way that you see the whole person and you take the food element as being vital to looking and taking care of our bodies, looking after our bodies and taking care of them. But the thoughts, and you mentioned the spiritual aspect as well. Can we touch a little bit on that? Yes, but before we do, I also want to say too, you know, stress during your meals is also a huge predictor of illness and health. Because when we're stressed out, you know, when you have a fight or an argument, you're having a tense discussion or God forbid a breakup or, you know, something stressful is happening over a meal. And during that time, you know, we have knots in our stomach, or at least that's how I store my stress. I'll get knots in my stomach and you can't eat and your liver just shuts down the production of hydrochloric acid. So you don't absorb your nutrients. You don't absorb your food. So if you're chronically bloated too, think about how you're eating. If you're stressed out during meals, if you're actually chewing your food, all of those things contribute. Oh my gosh. That really does tie into the spiritual element to me because when you think about so many religions really do stop and say grace or bless their food in some way before they eat it. And it's like a spiritual practice that would totally line up with what you're saying of get yourself in the right frame of mind, be mindful and appreciative before you start eating. Yeah, I mean, and I and that ties into the spiritual piece you were asking about. So I'm not, uh, I'm polyamorous when it comes to, <laughs> this, <laughs> I love it to religion. You know, um, it doesn't matter if you're Jewish, if you're Catholic, if you're Muslim, if you're Christian, if you're Buddhist. Just having a connection to some higher power, some source, some spirits, angels, God, Jesus, Allah, whomever you are praying to, having a spiritual connection is really important because we need to know we're not alone in this world. I think so many people struggle because they may be alone in their lives, right? They may not have a lot of friends. They may not have a significant other and they feel really alone. And we need to know we are not alone. We are all connected as beings, as universes. You know, we are manifestations of God, of spirit, of angels, and God lives in every one of us. And we are, I I pray and speak to God and angels numerous times a day. And especially when I need help, I ask for help constantly. And 
almost all of it, it shows up and it shows up in my business too. I know how to attract the perfect clients for me without killing myself with marketing and spending all this time on the internet. Now those pieces are important, but what's more important is absolute trust and faith that I am not alone, that I have support, you know, the universe has my back and that enables me to share my stress load and unburden myself and give it over to God. There's, um, there's a, one of my favorite books of all time. It's called outrageous openness by Tosha silver. And, she talks about having a God box next to your bed. You know, it could be just a, an empty tissue box or just a jewelry box. And you can give all your problems over to God. You write them on a piece of paper, you give them over to God and you say, okay, God, you're going to take care of this for me. And you go to sleep and that's it. So I, I think just sharing the burden is so key. And we all need that spiritual relationship and knowing that we're not alone. I have never heard of a God box. What, what, what a beautiful way to truly like, like you said, give it over to God, take some of that stress off yourself and realize you don't have to carry the weight of the world just on your shoulders alone. That's it. And we're so, you know, most of us don't even know how to ask for help or don't even think about it. We're so independent. We don't think to ask for help, you know, and this happens with a lot of moms. I'm sure you're there too. Like I, it took me a long time to even know how to ask for help and know how to accept it when it was offered to me to this. And, and I've learned to say yes. When somebody says, can I give you this? Yes, 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 yes. And just to be in a place of receiving all the time has made such a difference in my life. And it cuts down on all the resentment and the frustration that, oh my God, I'm doing this alone. It's so frustrating. I, you know, I always have to do everything myself and no one else can do things, you know, and it, I just put that all down said, I'm now open to receive whatever you want to bring to me. <laughs> I love that. And when I was going yeah. over your story, there's definitely some parallels between our stories. When you talk about being a mom, but also kind of hitting your physical rock bottom where you were sick with Epstein-Barr, can we talk a little bit more about that period in your life? Mm hmm. So and it's still I'm still healing from this, Kate. So my son was born in March 30th, um, 2007. And um, I had an uneasy pregnancy. I was working until the day before he was born. Um, I had terrible morning sickness the first 16 weeks or week, week six through 16, I should say. So 10 weeks. Um, and then my husband was in a very bad ski accident seven and a half months into it. And he had surgery. He had a tibial plateau fracture with a pin and plates. So I was changing his ice packs every two hours while I was pregnant and then going to work all day. I was just weeping with exhaustion and concern. And then when I had my son, I nursed him for a year and he was a terrible sleeper. And I had postpartum depression, although I did not know it at all. We did not really have the right pediatricians in New York City for a long time. And none of them took care of me. And I, you know, my OB, I, I didn't even know what I was going through. So I didn't even know how to ask for help. But I knew I was crying with exhaustion. I was depressed. I thought about suicide numerous times, like just so I could get some sleep. And this went on and on. And even after I weaned him, my son was uh, not a great sleeper. And then when he 
stopped nursing, I still was up all night. I would get maybe two to four hours of sleep that was broken. And then my husband would get up at 5 a.m. to commute to his job. And so it was brutal. And I went back to work and I just, I felt like I was dying. I would want to crawl under my desk at work and just sleep. And during the time too, I was, I wrote more books. I was working. I was just praying to get through each day. And it finally came to the point where I really wasn't able to work much. And I just, all I could do a good day for me would be to either make my bed or make dinner or both. That was like a really good day. I was an observer of my own life, but I wasn't present in it. I just was so alone and I couldn't find any doctor to help me. One doctor told me to put a copy of the Kabbalah under my pillow and go to sleep. One doctor told me to just take a walk every night or have a glass of wine. Other doctors told me it was all in my head. And then I started finally taking, I take different sleep meds and uh, finally was like taking Xanax and that I couldn't stopped working, but I couldn't get off it. So finally about seven months, seven years in, I worked with Anthony William. He's, he wrote the book medical medium, which I highly recommend everybody reads. And told me I had Epstein-Barr virus. And it made sense to me because as a child, I was very, very sick. Uh, I had ear infections and antibiotics every single month. And I finally had tonsillectomy when I was six. And then that, you know, then it went into remission into my body. But the thing women don't know is that either through childbirth or menopause, the Epstein-Barr virus can be woken up. I have a client with five children and she got a very bad cold and she just got Epstein-Barr and mono and is now healing and recovering from that. So I went on a strict vegan diet, which was hilarious because my paleo diet book had just come out and I was a closeted vegan at the time. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I wanted to ask about that. So I'm glad you brought yeah, it up. I was like, irony. I was like, God, you are, you have a very sick sense of humor right now, but I will do what I have to do. And I went vegan because the virus and chronic viral issues, strep, staph, Epstein-Barr, um, they can all feed on, chron on uh, animal facts. So I had to do it. I, I didn't last that long uh, full tilt. Oh, I incorporated fish a few times a week because I was just dying. My adrenals were so shot. But for the most part, I did it for a year. I was grain-free, dairy-free, um, and pretty much animal protein-free. The second half of the year, I started adding things in. So that helped, but my insomnia has yet to resolve. Um, it's now much better. I know what supplements I can take, but now being 47 and a half, you know, my body, my hormones are shifting. So I'm still working on it. I have a team of doctors I work with. We do tests. We know, we know that my uh, neurotransmitters and are off and my dopamine and serotonin are off. So we're working to fix it. But the gift in all of this. So let me let me talk about the gifts because everyone says, "Oh my god, this seems so awful. I can't believe it." And and no one understands what you're going through. So you feel like, "Holy shit, this is like really, you know, <clears throat> number one you you learn to get resilient." I used to tell my story to anyone who would listen to me, which is really crazy. And <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just and you know, my husband, it really put a big strain on our marriage. I'm frankly shocked he stayed with me because I was such a train wreck. But thank God my libido didn't ever go away. So that's good. I love but, it. But but the silver lining is it made me just crazy resilient. And I came to a point where I was just like, shut up and move on with your life. So what? So you didn't sleep. Get a nap when you can. 
and move on with your life. It taught me to say no. I now am so incredibly good with boundaries. Like I, uh, this morning, even somebody wanted to interview me for a Facebook live this week. And she said, 1030. That felt too late in the morning for me. I start my day at between 930. I mean, I'm usually in my computer by eight, but then if I work out, I start my day by 930, 10. So then she moved it to 11. And I said, Nope, you're going to have to reschedule it to either 10am or 3pm. Those are the hours I could see you. That's it. Like I don't, it's not that I'm not flexible, but I know that if it doesn't feel right to me, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And if I'm going to be resentful later on that I'm giving my time that I'm on someone else's schedule. No, that doesn't work for me. It's taught me to set really good boundaries with my family, with my, you know, not everyone in my family has good boundaries. It's taught me to just really keep the people in my life who are strong, who are inspiring, and who also have healthy boundaries. No drama in my life. I just really manage things a lot better because I just don't have the bandwidth to take on anything else. So it's, it's good. I, every year I get more and more grounded. It's, it's, I don't know if you've heard the expression roots and wings. No, like I my, haven't. It's what I always say to my son, but you know, the first day of school roots and wings, like may you have the roots to grow firmly planted in the ground and to just be really strong within yourself, but the wings to fly and, and grow and develop that way. So it's, it's great. It's taught me not to sweat the small stuff either. You know, if something when I'm stressed out about something, I ask myself, like, is this going to matter 10 years from now? If the answer is no, I just let it go and move on. And I, I think that's the gift of aging, too. It's not just chronic illness. It's aging. My husband uses that question to himself all the time. <laughs> he does. Is this going to matter in 10 years? And that really helps him take a bigger picture view of things rather than get stuck in that moment, which can be really stressful sometimes. But when you step back, you realize that you are just sweating the small stuff, right? Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, no, none of you would know, Kate's husband's a dear friend and was my prom date senior year in high school. So I love the fact you brought that up. I was like, what should I bring? What should I talk to Esther about? And he's like, you should ask her who the best prom date she ever had in her life was. Well, he, he and my friend Joe, who was came out of the closet years later, but was seriously like the best answer ever. But Saul takes the cake for personality because we went to um, an after party and he said, don't let me drink too much. I have my SATs tomorrow. And I said, okay. And I, I, I look at him 10 minutes later across the room, chugging a bottle of champagne. And he wound up falling asleep in a lazy boy chair and being so late the next morning, he showed up to the SATs in his tuxedo. So, Oh my gosh, I'm going to give him hell. I assume he passed them because he's done okay in life. Well, assume he did. He's an OBGYN now. So I would say he did great. He's oh. a very smart person. <laughs> so besides funny. the champagne, besides the champagne. <laughs> I want to talk about all these books you were writing, even though it sounds to me like you really were just running your way through life. I think you said that you were an observer of your life rather than a participant. Yeah. What was going on? Because you achieved so much. Yes. And, and the books really kept my sanity because if I didn't have work and if I didn't help other clients, that's what got me out of my own head. And so it was, you know, my mission in life is clearly to serve others. So that is my joy and creative outlet. The first book is Eat, Drink and Be Gorgeous. That came out two months or no, it came out one month after my son was born. 
And that is very much the sex in the city guide to good nutrition. And the whole motto of the book is your body may be a temple, but who says it can't be a nightclub? (laughs) I love it. That is, it's, you know, there's tips on great sex through good nutrition, PMS, breakups, hangovers, UTIs, herpes, you know, the whole age 20 to 30 living in New York City, my patient, it it was really 15 years of my private practice in New York City in that book. The second book was Secrets of Gorgeous, and that was just a page. It was 200 pages. It's a page a day tip. So you can just open it up at any point and just receive tips on lifestyle, on greening up your home, safe sex products that are free of phthalates and plastics and chemicals, just all of these great tips. And of course, eating well. The third book was The Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous Project. And this is also my favorite because it's really about transforming your body. Let's say you're someone who's cut out. Maybe you said, okay, I'm going to cut back on bread and I'm going to cut back on alcohol. And you start introducing more whole foods in your diet, but you're still not seeing results. This book is geared towards helping you change your body composition, discussing the importance of lifting heavy weights to get lean and get strong, eating enough protein, getting gluten and grains out of your diet, all of those things are really important. That It's a transformative book, and there's four different meal plans on there as well as a food log. And then my most recent book is Cave Women Don't Get Fat. It's a paleo diet book for women, and this addresses my clients who have autoimmune conditions, who have thyroid, adrenal issues, menopause, that, you know, your muffin top has now turned into a cake top. So this addresses the science and it's behind a paleo diet. And it's one of the few paleo diet books, if, if the only one out there specifically designed for women, because most of the paleo diet books are written by dudes. They are. I Now that you mention that, they are the kind of leaders in the paleo field that I immediately think of are mainly men. Yes. But, you know, there's a bazillion women out there who are crossfitting, who are crushing it and so strong and lifting heavy and getting lean. So now this incorporates the menopausal mamas and says, hey, girls, you know, why don't you pick up a dumbbell? Don't just don't just only walk or or do some really challenging yoga or figure out how to balance your hormones through food, diet and lifestyle. Mm. I want to go back to a point you mentioned earlier around the vitamin D thing, because that is so interesting to hear that Wi-Fi and our electronic devices are sucking the vitamin D out of us. Can we talk more about what's going on there? I don't know the exact science behind it, but I will tell you, I have clients in Hawaii, I have clients in Florida, you know, they're out in the sun and they're still low in vitamin D. So the proof is right there. I mean, and people are wearing sunscreen a lot too, which prevents the absorption of vitamin D. So here's how to optimize your vitamin D, okay? Most of you will probably need to supplement because most of us are not getting sun year round. If we are, we're wearing sunscreen or we're wearing hats and sunglasses. So you have to expose your skin at least 15 to 20 minutes without sunscreen. And you can wear a hat, but you cannot wear glasses. And it's ideal if you don't wash your skin after for a few hours because you really let the sun the vitamin D takes hours to convert from the sunlight into the hormone in your skin and into your bloodstream. So that is ideal. But if you're fair skinned, if you burn, if you don't want to look wrinkled and haggy or have sunspots, then, uh, and you're wearing sunscreen, then you could supplement. And so the best thing to do is to get a blood test. It's covered by insurance. 
get your vitamin D hydroxy levels checked. And ideally, I like to see people between 60 and 80. I've seen clients as low as 13, 20 was my most recent blood lab I looked at. People are really, really deficient in vitamin D. And especially if you're African-American, if you're dark-skinned and you have more natural pigmentation, it's even harder for the vitamin D to get absorbed. So I recommend if you're really low, like my clients who are 13 to 20, I give them 50,000 units every other day for three months, and which is equivalent to like I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes in the sun, basically, if that. And then after that, most people get 5,000 units a day maintenance. But sometimes in the winter, I up it to 10. And let's say you're fighting a flu. Okay, so let's talk about the flu for a minute because we saw crazy, I mean, epidemic levels or pandemic levels of low vitamin D and the flu this season. So if you feel like you're getting the flu, you could take a full dropper full. You could take 100 to 200,000 units of vitamin D without toxicity because this is a single dose. And what your liver doesn't need, it will metabolize out of your liver. And you can take that as a flu preventative. And this is so interesting, Kate, because this is the one year I really got lazy with our vit- my family's vitamin D supplementation, and we all got the flu. No I way. Oh, it was wicked. I had it for three weeks. I like threw out my back coughing. It was horrible. It's the kind of sick where your hair hurts, you know, and you're like, oh my God, I get why people die from this. But, but most people do not need the flu shots. It's really a waste and it's not effective. Get your vitamin D levels checked. Keep up with it in the winter. I buy, I sell on my website, uh, a liquid vitamin D with K2 that you need for the optimal absorption. And you just put a dropper on your hand and lick it or put it right in your mouth. I give it to my son. Babies can take it uh, in lower doses, but what yeah. does it taste disgusting out of interest? No, it tastes very sweet. <laughs> okay. Nothing. It's- Painless, painless, painless. painless. I want to talk about as a culture, our relationship with food and where has that gone wrong and how can we potentially as individuals and possibly as a wider group as well, heal that relationship with food? Mm. I think once we start approaching eating, thinking that pleasure is the best nutrient of all, then, uh, then we will change our dynamic with food. We are checked out and numb when it comes to eating. We are distracted. We're on our phones. We are eating in front of our computers at work. We're eating while we're walking, sitting, standing, watching TV. We don't even know when we're full because we're not connecting the dots between watching the food disappear off of our plates and chew slowly and then have the food go into our stomach. We don't eat slowly. So we've got to eat slowly. We've got to eat without distraction. We've got to eat sitting down in a chair. (laughs) We have to eat being mindful and capitalize the F-U-L-L and really making foods that are beautiful, that are colorful. I bought uh, bowls this year instead of, I started serving our food bowls and it's like shallow wide bowls instead of plates. And it's just, it's turned cooking into a much more creative endeavor and the plates look beautiful food looks beautiful. It's getting colors and variety. But most people, a lot of people don't cook. They think it's too much effort. You don't have to cook to eat healthy. There's so many places you can go and buy a pre-made Buddha bowl with a little quinoa, a little spinach, some salmon on top, or we can buy pre-made zoodles, these zucchini noodles or butternut squash noodles. And 
you can buy, you know, a grilled chicken and just shred the chicken on top of that. I mean, meals can be so simple. I don't, I never use recipes unless I'm baking, but I don't use recipes when I cook. I'm very simple. So I will make tonight I have chicken. So I'll grill up some chicken and I'll make a quinoa. uh, I say quinoa salad. That means quinoa with lemon juice and fresh parsley on top. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And then um, I'll probably grill up some yellow squash or something. And that's it. It doesn't need to be complicated. It can, the other meals I like to make, Kate, are just on a baking sheet. Same thing. Like you can put grilled chicken you know, chicken, sliced chicken breast on a a baking sheet and you pour some tomato sauce on it and then you can just slice up some peppers and just bake those alongside and you could serve some rice with it and you can buy rice that's already cooked that you just literally heat in a pot. You are are making this sound relatively easy because I have to admit I'm one of those not natural chefs who (laughs) is not particularly good around the kitchen. So I'm always looking for the quickest, easiest option that I can't stuff up, to be honest. Yeah, it's you you can really make it stupidly simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. And, you know, I think the other thing is we have to remember to kind of just shop on the outer aisles of the grocery store, you know, just go for the produce. And and by the way, people listening to this podcast, you can get my free 47 page ebook with tons of recipes called Eat, Drink, and Be 40-ish when you enter your email. And there's tons of ways for you to be healthy. But I have a grocery list, a shopping list in the book, and it's just getting your proteins, your chickens, your fishes, your meats. If you're vegan, no problem. Uh, It's getting your greens. And it's all you have to do at the beginning of the week is bake a pan of sweet potatoes, a pan of white potatoes, pan of spaghetti squash. And it literally requires like no effort. You literally just put a potato in the oven and bake it. I don't know how to make it simpler. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to try it. Speaking of your amazing free ebook that you have as a download on your website currently. I had a little look at it and you mentioned that we can do carbs, but Mm -hmm. to leave them at night. What kind of carbs Mm. are good? Can we talk through the whole carbs at night idea that you propose? Yes. And I I do eat carbs during the day too. I'm not like a low carb person because it really helps my sleep. If I don't eat carbs at night, I don't sleep. So carbs at night are great because they jack up serotonin and dopamine and help calm the nervous system down. They promote a sense of relaxation. Now, some people, you have to find your carb tolerance. Some people really like to have their carbs right after a workout. And that's a great time too, because your exercise opens up your insulin receptors to carbs so that you can metabolize your carbs more efficiently. Um, I like slow release carbs. I like lentils and beans and sweet potato and winter squash and plantains and white potatoes. So I I like a more complex starch. Quinoa is fine too. If you are, uh, and I do, I do have both white and brown rice. I just like variety too. I like to rotate my foods. I don't try not to eat the same thing every night. And those are slow release carbs. There are beans, especially are high in resistant starch, which means they take hours to break down in the bloodstream. So they keep your blood sugar stable. A lot of people don't realize that they um, wake up in the middle of the night because they're having insulin and blood sugar issues. So they wake up kind of hungry. Yeah. So you're saying I can eat my white potatoes. That is all good. 
Yes, I do not have a problem with white potatoes. They're real food. You know, people are avoiding white potatoes, but they're eating protein bars that have all these chemicals and junk. So <laughs> eat the real food. They're roots and tubers, and they're an they're incredibly rich source of vitamin C. And there's such a nutritious food. And, and white potatoes, too, if you want to make them higher in resistant starch, serve them cold, like in a potato salad, because they break down more slowly when they're cold than when they're hot. Oh my gosh, fascinating. So mm-hmm. potato salad, I love potato salad. Oh my gosh, exciting. Mm-hmm. And I make it without mayonnaise. I make it with olive oil m- mixed with mustard uh, and garlic and salt and lemon juice and fresh parsley and it's delicious. My mouth is literally water- watering. <laughs> I'm going to have to like go and make that for myself for lunch because I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Talking about the parsley, you also mentioned the benefit of bitter greens. And I saw she's got a whole huge list in her ebook, but I saw two that are particularly my favorites, which were bok, bok choy and arugula, which is actually called rocket in New Zealand. Did you know that, Esther? That arugula. I love that. It's, rocket? It's called rocket. I got to America and I was so upset because I couldn't find rocket. It was called arugula. And I was like, okay, we're good now. Um, <laughs> what's the benefit of including the bitter greens in our diets? So bitter greens facilitates the release of bile from the liver, and that breaks down fats. It breaks down and emulsifies fats, but also helps with protein and carbs. And past the age of 30, our ability to produce digestive enzymes really starts to head south. So bitter greens are a way to stimulate the digestive process and get our juices flowing. And a lot of people say, oh, I hate bitter greens. I don't like broccoli, Rob. Well, I have news for you. Not all food is supposed to taste good. Often the worse something tastes, the better it is for you. So, you know, I I do believe in pleasure as a nutrient, but I also believe food is medicine. And guess what? Medicine doesn't taste like bubble gum all the time, okay? Sometimes it has to taste nasty to to get you healthy, and that's okay. Well, I'm glad I like bok choy on a regular (laughs) band. I do actually enjoy it. I've got a bunch of questions that I ask everyone, Esther, so I'm going to hit you with them right now. Are you a morning person or a night person? Morning. So even though you're not a great sleeper, you still find you're a morning person? Mm-hmm. Because I don't like, and pe- most people know, especially my mother, I'm like, don't call me past 8 p.m. I just, I want nothing to do with anyone. I just want to sit and read a book and meditate and go to sleep. I don't. I, I try to do very unstimulating, calming things and, you know, lights are out by 10 or 1030. And, um, yeah, I mean, even if I have been up most of the night before, I still get up and move on with the day. And then I, I hit my wall around 3 PM. That's usually when I'll catch a power nap if I need to. And then I move on with the day. Got you. What's yeah. currently sitting on your nightstand? Can you remember? Yes, I am reading a book called Glitter and Glue about um, this woman who was a nanny in Australia to the family whose mother died of cancer. And she was the first person to come in after the loss of the mother and care for the family. So it's a great book, but I always have outrageous openness on my nightstand. And I also have a book called The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scovelshin. And again, it's like an abundance attraction book about prosperity. And it it just sets me right mindset wise. It's a great book. What is your favorite self-care activity? 
exercise, walking and yoga too. I mean, I love lifting weights too. My body is unfortunately crashing hard after I do it. So I'm just taking a little more time off before I return to it. So definitely, uh, being outside nature, we hike a lot as a family. Um, but I'm sitting outside now on my deck. You've probably heard the crows squawking in the background, but just being outside in nature is just, that returns me to myself again and again. Gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Favorite book. You've mentioned Outrageous Openness a couple Mm. of times. Is it one of your all-time favorites? One of my all-time favorites. Then there's one called The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity. I mean, that whole book is dog-eared and highlighted. Um, It's an incredible book that really changed my relationship with money. And then um, I love David Sedaris. So Me Talk Pretty One Day is also a book I have read and reread and just laugh and laugh and laugh. So I just, I love funny writers. Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I have a lot of these on my website too. Tim Ferriss, Tools of Titans, also a really, really great book. So any, you know, books that inspire me, that uh, give me a window into forgiveness and compassion and strength, all, anything that speaks to those topics, um, I'm all over it. Love it. Do you have a favorite long road or a life lesson that took you a good while to learn, Esther? (laughs) Yes. Uh, forgiveness by far. It's so funny, Kate, because like the doctor I'm working with now, I should give her a shout out, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon in New York city, her assistant, Peter, said to me, we were going over my blood work recently and figuring out my inflammatory pathways. And he was like, you have to meditate every day. And I was meditating sporadically, but I was like, you know what, Peter, I'm on board because it's the one area of my life I really have not gotten to yet. So it was really just forgiveness. And this is the best story. This just recently happened. I have two older brothers. The middle brother uh, was very, very, very tough to live with growing up. He was abusive. He was, um, on drugs from a very early age. He like, he started when he was 12. He had been born with a mild case of spina bifida. So he had a lot of neurological pain. He was bullied in school. He had issues with incontinence as a result. You know, it was just, there was so much shame and bullying people. Now this was a long time ago, but like his classmates at school sprayed swastikas on our garage. Oh my gosh. And, and wrote like, fuck you blums on our driveway and oh. spray paint. I mean, horrible, right? So, and then he was on drugs, rehab, jail, the whole thing. And just, I really, and he was on such heavy medications. He was just not a kind person at all. And I just stopped, you know, I really communicated him just the barest of bare minimums. And a couple years ago, he decided to consciously wean himself off these horrible meds, even though he's in chronic pain, he's had many surgeries and loss of function, he's in a wheelchair. And he decided to just go the medical marijuana route and just only rely on that for pain management and just steal through it. And he is actually the kindest, happiest person now who, you know, you and I would say, Oh, my God, how does he live this way? He's like, He's just grateful and and kind. And we had a visit like two weeks ago. And when I saw him, I had forgiven him emotionally, but not, I hadn't realized that I still had more to forgive. And 
when I saw him, it just, there was just love and joy. And it was mm. such, it was so awesome. I was like, this is so cool. I was teary for days after I was like, this is so cool. And so just a couple days after that, I had to Venmo someone some money and I opened, I hadn't used Venmo in like two years for some reason. And I opened my account and found $2,700 <gasps> in <laughs> of unclaimed funds. And I was like, Oh, you had to move the money from Venmo into your bank account? I had no idea. I had clients who'd paid me, you know. <laughs> and I said, holy, I said, is this some sick joke universe? Like, what are you, are you messing with me? You know, and I said, oh my God, like really forgiveness, man, forgiveness and compassion. It, it's, there is a lot to be said for that. And I think when you have blocks in your life, you really need to look at the lens through which you see the world. And if you're harboring a lot of anger, and we all do, we're human, we're all, you know, people piss us off, whatever. It's, can you let it go? Is it important? You know, can you forgive? Can you send them light? And the other story, Kate, is I had last year, I had conflict with a very close friend and a very close family member. And it was, it was to the point where we weren't speaking, which again was so out of alignment with how I was, but they, they were both very angry with me. And I was like, God, so I just sat there for a month. Every night I meditated on both of them. I sent them tons of white, white lights, rounded them in white light and love and just released. Within 16 hours, both of them contacted me. <laughs> you back in my life. The power of what we don't see with the eyes, the power of our hearts, the power of our intentions. Gosh, I'm so with you. So this has been a wild, wild year. It's really been like, oh my God, like really intense, but really great, really healing too. I was going to say, it sounds like some kind of spiritual initiation or something. It was crazy. Yeah, it, it was good, crazy good. You know, just like, I'm so grateful that I'm not, it was, it's never fun going through those things. And I really steer clear of drama, but sometimes things happen and situations arise and not, you know, you can't please everybody. You're not Nutella. So, you know, you're, <laughs> I love that quote. You're going to have some people who don't, who don't like you or don't appreciate your boundaries, you know, they're and, not, not going to like a change to that, right? They're not going to like the new, the policy changes. That's right. And sometimes they just have to get the memo and that's, and they come around, they came around and it was, it was good. I took responsibility on my end. They took responsibility on their ends and moving right along, you know? What is one thing in your day that you can't do without, Esther? Oh, it's a toss-up. I'm thinking like food versus, you know, <laughs> a <laughs> sleep. Probably my morning cup of Earl Grey and Pellegrino are like my drugs of choice probably. Um, and yeah, like vegetables, I feel... Those are vegetables and greens. They just ground me. They really ground me. They all sound very appropriate answers for a dietitian. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> How would you describe the soul, Esther? I think the soul is the spiritual and metaphysical manifestation of our own hearts and minds. And it's really the space between us and God, I think, it's really our hearts outside of our bodies. Oh my gosh. The space between us and God. What an amazing way to look at it. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I love your answer to that question. I'm quoting you. That's turning into a quote. <laughs> Do it. What is fulfillment to you? Uh, fulfillment is deep connection to other people. That is where I, you know, there is nothing like that 
moment when you're with your family or friends who you love and who have your back. And you just, I get this happiness. My heart is bursting. It's that oxytocin boost. That to me is my greatest joy. Like I'm definitely an extrovert in that way. Mm. Okay. I've got a couple more questions for you just as we start to wrap up. You say that you're the girl that never lost the last 10 pounds but lived happily ever after. Can we That's talk me. through this statement because I yes. love it? Yes. So I do have, I have a nice little cortisol belly cooking and it's, you know, I, I stopped. That's the other gift I really should have mentioned with the chronic stuff is I really focus on my contributions to other people and take the emphasis off my own body because... I couldn't, I can't control all of it. You know, I eat really well and I move in my body and I take really great care of my body most of the time. Sometimes I have a cupcake or I'll have sugar and I don't ever make myself feel guilty about it. I just, just keep moving forth. And, you know, I focus on my contributions as a mother. I just focus on being present for people in my life instead of sitting and obsessing about my belly. Cause the reality is if I never lose those last 10 pounds, a, no one else gives a shit, but me and B I can't take up that mental real estate with those thoughts anymore. It's a waste of time for me. Oh my gosh. That really plays into the last question, last couple of questions, but that topic of self love, you know, I feel like so often people when they're interested in diet and taking care of themselves can take it a little bit too far. Where is that Where is that point in which taking care of ourselves through food and exercise is no longer self-loving? Again, I think when it starts occupying your thoughts, because we become our thoughts, right? And our thoughts can make us just as sick as any toxin. Our thoughts can be an equal poison. So I think once it starts dominating your life, and I hear this from clients all the time where they won't go out, they won't socialize, they won't look at themselves naked in the mirror, they won't walk around naked in front, in front of their husbands or significant others. They're just so ashamed and they are disempowering themselves. You know, they're just taking away all their strength and power and handing it right over to the idea and the philosophy that they're not good enough and they're not enough in general because they don't look a certain way. And we hear this over and over, right? We've heard this in a million interviews and read it in magazines. But until you truly apply that model to yourself and say, hey, wait a minute, like you can't, shame is not a sustainable model. You really, no, no one ever lost 10 pounds by saying you're fat and ugly and unattractive and unworthy. People lose 10 pounds because they say, I love my body. I'm going to, I love my body here right now and I'm going to take care of it. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to transform your body, but coming at it from a place of, I'm going to love the hell out of my body and see, can I, can I get an extra serving of vegetables uh, today? Can I go to bed at a reasonable hour, like by, you know, no later than 11? Can I read books that are going to fill my mind instead of just watching junk TV all the time? Can I look around me and see who I'm surrounding myself with and who I need to release from my life? Can I buy clothes that are actually the appropriate size instead of trying to squeeze myself like a stuffed sausage into my old clothes that don't fit and torturing myself every day in the closet? You know, just 
being gentler and kinder is the way to go. So I think, how do you know, you know, when it's time to release that is when it just, it's exhausting you and you're sick of yourself. And, you know, cause we all have those same repetitive thoughts, Kate, right? We all have the same five thoughts like, Oh my God, I'm fat. Oh, I'm dying. Am I going to get cancer? Uh, (laughs) I have wrinkles around my eyes. Whatever those are, it's like those thoughts will, you know, they'll come up and then it's just swipe left moving along. Okay. Yeah. You have wrinkles. So does everyone else next. (laughs) I love it. Just let it go. Swipe left. You have a wrinkly stomach. You had a baby or six. Move on. Like, I have a, I have a wrinkly stomach. I had two babies. That's what happens, right? What happens? Are you going to give your babies back because you have a wrinkly stomach? No, that's your suit of armor now. I love the fact you said shame is not a sustainable model. Let the shame go. Yeah. Final question for you, Esther. If you could leave our listeners with just one thought today, what would it be? Mm, I'm thinking on this. I, I think I would say today, I would say forgiveness is really just... Think about what you can let go of in your life or who you can let go of in your life if they're not serving and supporting you. And just send white light their way for a month. Just envision them coated in white light and floating in air, however you want to do it. But surround them in love and light and watch what happens in a month or two. You will be amazed what happens. You you will be lighter for it, but they will... They will pick up on that and something comes right back to you, be it in the form of your bank account, new job opportunities, or just a healed relationship, most importantly. I think it's really the foundation of healing. Meditation, forgiveness, compassion. I love how Esther's model of taking care of our bodies is so much broader than simply what we put into them. But yet she she has so many super practical tips. I'm so happy that I can still eat potatoes and I'm going to definitely be more conscious about upping my greens. To learn more about Esther and her books, you can head to estherblum.com. That's B-L-U-M. She also mentioned that free download she's currently giving away, which has got tons of recipes and some really practical tips about how you can be taking care of your nutritional needs. So get that too over at estherblum.com. Esther works one-on-one with people. She has a couple of really cool little online programs as well as she does corporate workshops. So check her out. You can also find her on Instagram at Gorgeous Esther or on Facebook using at Living Gorgeous. Speaking of Instagram, if you enjoy it, please come and hang out with me. I've got two accounts now, which is kind of exciting, but find me at kate.snowwise, S-N-O-W-I-S-E, or you can find the Here to Thrive podcast as well. They're both linked, so find one of them, you'll find the other. Because I'm kind of actually really enjoying Instagram lately which that's a bit of a change so come hang out there and if you've enjoyed here to thrive it really would be awesome if you could take a couple of minutes to leave a review of the podcast those really help with the whole social proof element and I'm not very good at asking for them 
There's a bunch of you out there listening and so many of you have been sweet and come and leave me messages personally, but it would also mean tons if you could leave a little note in iTunes. If you can't find that tab, if it's a pain in the butt, which it is sometimes, you can actually just go thrive.how forward slash review and that should jump you over to the iTunes tab that you need to find. Thank you for coming back week after week and listening. I've got some super exciting guests coming up that I can't wait to share with you. And I'll be back next Friday to continue this conversation about how we can live truly thriving lives. Until then, just keep thriving. 